Hello and welcome. I'm Sarah Reid, a practising barrister, and I'm so proud to be bringing you this podcast. It's part of a wider series of events and publications to mark the centenary of the first women to be admitted to practice as barristers in Ireland. I was called to the bar in July 2008 and walking in the doors of the law library at that time, looking around, there was a parity of men and women amongst my colleagues. Uh, Less so when you moved up the ranks of senior counsel, even less again when you looked at the bench. But at my point of entry, at my stage, there was a parity. And I remember wondering, you know, what the absence of that would have felt like. Because although the ban on women entering the profession was lifted in 1921, there was no great avalanche of applications to join the bar. In fact, it wasn't until the late 80s, so nearly 60 years later, before the numbers coming in reached 50-50. I remember thinking about what that meant and thinking about all those women who carved the path before me, their experiences, their battles, their victories. I mean, was the fact of equal entrance, was that their victory or was it being allowed to wear trousers? Yep, you heard me right. Uh, Mary Robinson talked about that in her memoir, in fact. So as I sit here in my trouser suit with 14 years of practice under my belt, I want to share with you some observations, some musings, some complaints and a whole lot more. And I did this as part of a discussion with three legal titans who were gracious enough to to join me in discussing 50 years at the Irish Bar. Their reputations precede them, but they are Mary Lefoy, Aileen Donnelly and Mary Rose Gerty, who I should say hadn't been appointed to the bench at the time of this recording. And, and what you're about to hear is a frank and impartial discussion about what it is meant to practice as a woman at the Irish Bar. I want to dedicate this episode to my late mother, who instilled in me a belief that I could do anything, be anything. She fostered a righteous, borderline, arrogant confidence that, though I didn't realise it at the time, was my first taste of feminism. I also want to dedicate this to all the women who have entered the library since 1921 and at a time when society told them this isn't for you. The women from non-legal backgrounds, the women who refuse to wear skirts, the women of colour, though they are certainly very few, the women who felt that they had to hide their true selves throughout their legal career. All in all, the women who despite everything just kept going. We are, as the phrase goes, standing on the shoulders of giants. So thank you to all of them. And to you, the listener, look them up, know their names. The Bar Council has done a fantastic archiving exercise in documenting the first 100 women and their stories are there and deserve to be read and heard. So without further ado, let us take up this discussion. Thank you for listening and enjoy. want to first I suppose thank you all for coming we have sitting at this table uh, three and I have to be careful with this three what I'm calling legal generations in normal currency I think a generation is about 30 years so it's not that I would take a generation 10 a decade 10 years in practice feels like a distinct thing to me so that's what I mean by the generations and myself included we have so Judge Lafoy I'll introduce you all in a second but Judge Lafoy from the 70s Judge Donnelly here representing the, the 80s Mary Rose from the 90s myself I hate the phrase noughties but the, in, in the noughties and then over the last sort of 10 years being you know, the 2010 that's 50 years kind of of, of first hand experience between us so I'm excited about that and I want to kind of dip into that what each of those decades may be revealed to start maybe with Justice Lefoy you were called to the bar in 1971 and what I was really interested in I was trying to just to get myself kind of read into it I was looking around what I suppose Irish society was at in yeah, 1970s. Yeah, yeah. What, what, so when you are starting practice, what is the, the, the yeah. picture around it? Yeah. And I came across a wonderful article by Fintan O'Toole uh, where he listed 10 things a woman couldn't do in the 70s. Oh, so yeah. I might start. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was just, just uh, uh, some of it seems hilarious, but actually if we take out the hilarity is is quite shocking. And that's yeah. what to me is interesting about yeah. being in legal practice at that time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Mr. Fintan O'Toole says as follows. In 1970, you could not do the following. One, keep your civil service job or your bank account once married. Two, sit in a jury, the 1927 Juries Act, of course. Number three, buy contraceptives. Uh, Miss McGee, of course, we know from that. Um, Number four, this is mad, drink in a pub. He said there was a practice of not admitting Ah. women or if they were, they wouldn't be served pints. And uh, we might come back to that. (laughs) 
Uh, number five, collect their children's allowance. The 1944 legislation requiring it to go to the father. Yeah, yeah. Um, six, get a restraining order against a violent partner. Seven, could not own their home, own home outright. Of course, the 76 Family Home uh, Protection Act uh, coming in there. Number eight, mm. could not plead marital rape, uh, intercourse being recognised as a husband's right. Uh, number nine, could not choose their residence, the wife being domiciled wherever the husband was. And number 10, could not or rather were not paid in line with male counterparts. Um, he has calculated five shillings was the going rate for a woman in 1970, nine shillings being the equivalent for, for a man. First off, and you might know, but do you know if you were ever paid differently to a male colleague? You mightn't have asked. And now we're only realising we can ask. But do you know? Uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I never had the... the, the, the the feeling that I was being underpaid, okay. to be utterly honest. But it's, it's funny, I, I was thinking about this over the last few days and the the first two things Fintan O'Toole uh, mentions are the things that I remember most about the 70s. I'm very conscious of the fact that it was a different world then and it was a different world up to about 75, 76. Things mm-hmm. changed around then. In every sense for a woman, not just in relation to your profession or anything, your work or anything like that. But the two things that really strike me, um, and I've mentioned this at giving talks, but until we joined the EU, a female public servant had to retire on marriage. I mean, when you think about that. Oh, it's it's, mad. Yeah. And it, it changed. It only changed either 73 or 74. But it was after we joined the the EEC, yeah. as it was mm. then. And the other thing that really sticks with me, and I, in fact, I looked up the case today, is uh, the McKeague case. I mean, that was unbelievable, wasn't it? Um, and um, it was such an important case. It was the, the, the decision of the Supreme Court. In fact, I checked the dates actually today. The decision of the Supreme Court was given on 19th December 1973. And the decision of the High Court had been given earlier in 1972. But it's when you think about that. And, and you were just two years yeah, into yeah, the law yeah, library. Yeah, into the law. And yeah, yeah. And actually, but it, oh, sorry, just but it was very was important, that case. Yeah. And what was the feeling around? Because I've got forgetting in terms of you were there. So what was yeah. the feeling in the library about I even the idea of bringing the case? I don't get a sense I don't have a recollection that there was any great big feeling mm-hmm. about the McGee case because there probably weren't enough women there. Yes, <laughs> that's that's probably that's the reason. Yeah, mm, for it yeah. to have even and landed. And of course, yeah. after it, in either 73 years, it would have been 74, legislation was in, introduced in the Dáil and there was a free vote on it and mm. it didn't pass. Did you know that? No. Mm. I remember reading, yeah, yeah. Free, that was interesting, was it? Free yeah, vote, yeah, it but was, it, it was. Um, didn't pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's actually very interesting. And one I thing think it was, it, it would have been the late, late 70s, probably 78 or 79. I think it was after the Fianna Fáil government came in in 79 yeah. that mm. the law was changed on contraception. Yeah. And it's you mentioned, Amazing, isn't it? Oh, and, it and is. it's, it's still like within touching distance in terms of history. And yeah. yet you look yeah. back and it just seems bonkers if you said to to someone in first year school now yeah. they'd say what what are you talking about and it, yeah. it, it does when you lay it yeah. out it does yeah. seem mad it, it is and was yeah. mad yeah. Um, you mentioned that the bank account thing and because one thing that I find curious yeah, I, I don't like, remember actually to be honest I don't remember the bank account thing mm. I remember the other two, the, yes. the, the McGee case, uh, having to retire from mm. public service mm. when you got married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and can I ask, you established yourself very prominently in what we might call the the financial, the business end of the legal uh, spectrum. Well, it was more the property end, actually. Yes. I deviled, I was very fortunate, I deviled with Brian McCracken. Mm. And to be honest, in the, the type of work I did, um, the contemporaries weren't that keen on doing it like uh, if there was a a letter from a solicitor in Wicklow about a, an application for possessory title <laughs> now they weren't madly keen it wasn't and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it wasn't and, and I'm wrestling for that and, and, and the time that the paper's over and I'd write back to the solicitor and I'd say what the solution was mm. and uh, that's how the practice built up actually because that was my, my question how was it that you, like how did you start getting kind of briefs and which would have been was it mainly male solicitors briefing you or increasingly females? So how did you uh, both, of... both, both, and colleagues mm. um, who who didn't particularly want to do that particular <laughs> type of work. And starting out, then, so your first day at the bar, 
what was your sense of the I don't say the lines then you're walking into but yeah. I always I love I love on the first day of the new term standing just yeah. under the two yeah. doors and watching the new entry I know I did it too because yeah. yeah. Philip ran I saw, spotted me and started laughing and he yeah. told me it's something worth doing you see the first years coming in because you wouldn't have gone through it it's the yeah. first finally yeah. through and you look around and yeah. it's that like it's the first look I kind of call it and I love it so what was your sort of sense the first look finally through the, the doors the usher's desk I just thought it was interesting. I don't think I was uh, sort of put out about it in any sense. You weren't uh, phased at all at the, the kind of setting you were walking into? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, and how many women were in practice? When there you were started? very few. There yeah. were very few, maybe seven or eight at that stage actually practicing. Uh, a few had gone in a few years previously and had left. Mm. And um, I suppose the person closest to me in years was Carol O'Kennedy. She had been there since 69. Yes. And um, then we got very friendly, obviously. I, I saw the list. And I was fascinated because I was wondering, which of them will I know? And, yeah. and yours and Carol's were the first names, names that I recognised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and within a few years, then there are another couple of names. Yeah, but, but, yeah, yeah. but I was very interested yeah. to see. Mary Robinson was there, of course. Yes. Esther Hogan, yes. who oh. became a solicitor subsequently. Women came in for a year or two in the late yes. 60s, I'd say. And... Um, then they went off to uh, either solicitors or whatever, yeah. in-house working or whatever. And why do you think that was? I don't know. Um, maybe they felt they wouldn't get the work. I don't know. And what? And you never, you kind of never felt there was a calling elsewhere. You just head down no, and kept going. No, no, I stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one thing actually, I, when I was again reading just kind of various bits and pieces I came across a book review you had written actually Judge Donnelly about there's a fantastic book it was the Northern Irish The Feminist Judgments I don't know if you're aware of that um, <laughs> oh what a what a read and so in in your review of it you um, so again just for people who may not be listening may not be aware of it it's a I suppose an academic project which takes a look at reimagining, I guess, core decisions, but just through a feminist lens and what that might have looked like, how it played out. In your review of it, and I really like this kind of quote, and I want to maybe talk about it a bit. You say, implicit within this project is that a woman judge is not necessarily a feminist judge and a feminist judge, not necessarily a woman. And I suppose my question is, who were the feminist champions that you maybe were aware of or who do you felt was kind of opening, holding the door open for, for yourself and other colleagues that kind of came through? Yeah, in fact, I don't think it was really an issue in the 70s, particularly in the early 70s. Um, there were four, so few women that that, yeah. that that was the real issue. And I think about that probably the same applied in all the professions mm. and probably in the Dáil and the Shannon everywhere. There were four, so few women. I think the first woman minister was Maura Gagan. Gagan yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Since it, Countess Markievicz. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Countess Markievicz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when you say that wasn't an issue, but to me that's a massive issue. No, no it, 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 was, it was the way life was, I mm. think. I think you accepted it as the way life mm. was up to that point in mm. time. Thankfully, things changed um, mm. and the numbers of women in the library changed around 76 mm -hmm. I think it was a, it, a big increase much bigger I yeah, remember yeah. from looking at the yeah, years as like Mary McKenzie and 71 yeah. we're talking about one and two people yeah. uh, being women and yeah. then if you go into the mid 70s suddenly yeah, yeah, the was. avalanche of ooh five exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. and maybe even six in a yeah, year that's but right. I know what you mean because I, I the idea that well, you can't serve on a jury. You have to give up your job. Yeah. The idea that you'd suddenly have a yeah. feminist movement yeah. Yeah. about yeah. having more women at yeah. a time when you've only just got in the door. Yeah. I, yeah. I, th I can yeah. see so why yeah. that's not an issue. Yeah. You're one of yeah. the yeah. handful yeah. of people who's mm. just begun in this yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. And the first thing, I suppose, is to establish yourselves and prove yourselves yeah. exactly. rather yeah. than opening the door yeah. and start yeah. talking yeah. about yeah. let's have 50-50. Yeah. I mean, that would be a kind of a... Yeah. I, I can see how that would seem ludicrous at that early stage. I just think that the fact that there were all these women ahead of me when I came in. I mean, I came in in the late 80s, mm, in fact. Mm, yeah. And it's funny talking about the first day. On my first day, I uh, went into the ladies' robing room and I saw two senior women there. Now, it was because of my ignorance, I didn't recognise one at, at the time. Um, but the first one I did recognise uh, because of our profile and that was Mary Robinson yeah. but the other woman was actually Mary Finlay Gagan oh, who I oh, think yeah. had just become <laughs> a silk so obviously these colossus at the bar and they were um, you know idols in different way or role models mm, yeah. uh, in different ways yeah. I, I think different people 
may or may not use the word feminist role model, but certainly the fact that there were women practising there, as indeed Mary Lefoy was, indeed uh, Susan Denham. Mm. I remember in uh, my first year uh, when I devilled, or may have even been the second year, I think Susan Denham was for the state in uh, a case in which my master was involved um, in the Supreme Court defending the constitutionality of some sections. So again, there were all these Mm. inspirational Mm -hmm. women. And I I think it it was obvious, though, at the time that there were very few women Mm -hmm. um, in the library. And I was conscious that my year in UCD and then I'm pretty certain my year in King's Inns and then coming into the bar was the first time in all of those years that there'd been pretty much equality between mm-hmm. the numbers of men and the numbers of women. So that sort of 86, <coughs> 87, that before you kind of came down? Yes, because okay. it came down in yeah. 1988. Mm, so it yeah, would have been, yeah, you know, yeah. from 86 to 88 mm. in, in King's Inns. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I think that was a huge step, the sheer yeah. force of numbers, because yeah. it was changing yeah. um, the landscape uh, yeah. within the bar mm. and then who was getting briefed I mean people mm-hmm. were not still getting briefed mm. um, but there were people in the 80s who were beginning to to change that mm-hmm. yeah. for example Mary Ellen Ring who's mm. judge oh, of the yes. High Court and yeah. head of GSOC mm. uh, was was one of the first to really uh, begin to be briefed particularly in criminal defence mm. work Yeah, um, there was also the former president of the district court, Maria Malone, who was getting a lot of work. Then later on, um, our our late colleague, Miriam Reynolds, who was a judge of the circuit court, was being briefed by the prosecution. And it it seemed to me that as time went on into the early 70s, it it was state actors who became uh, very much involved in briefing women. Now, whether that That's was by choice totally or, yeah. mm-hmm. or or otherwise, yeah. I, I suspect mm-hmm. by a certain amount of design that women, uh, they felt they had to change mm-hmm. and they yeah. were the leaders in that. The mm-hmm. DPP at the time, the attorney generals, mm-hmm. um, they were really uh, making a change and, and it, women felt they were getting briefed. Yes. Similarly, on the defence side, there was a uh, an increasing awareness that that women had a role to play. Now, possibly in the beginning, people were getting briefed in areas such as the children's court, where it was yeah. felt they had something to offer. Family law. They divorce. were struggling to well, get divorce, yeah. the bigger cases on the defence side. I've no doubt about that. I think they still are, to be fair. Yeah, they yeah. still are. Yeah. There's no doubt about um, that. You I see it. I mean, if, yeah. But, yeah. but there was some opening up of yeah. that. And yeah. again, I think, as, uh, yeah. as Mary has said, I, I think the fact that... Uh, women were seen as people who would work hard in certain areas helped them. Because if you had a thorny case, even a big case where it might have been a defence case, um, but there was a lot of paperwork Mm -hmm. that needed to be done, put in order, that was often the opening for junior women to get into the the bigger um, cases where there were silks involved. Um, And... Uh, you know, it, 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 people have struggled in a sense to get there, but but they've worked and they've shown that they can yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. And that's so interesting. I was reminded of, I can't remember who said it, but there was an interview with this black trainee in a, in a massive law firm. And he said, talking about kind of he was the only black intake. And he said, I can't wait for the day when I, I get to be mediocre. And it was that sense, I think, of yeah. I have to show up and I have to do 150 percent to show not just that, that I'm not just here. Like I will earn it, but I will earn it. And then some it's that kind of and I think maybe that's kind of what we're kind of touching on here. Well, the women getting briefs, it they damn well, they roll up the sleeves and work hard. They had to. That's how they they got their seat at the table and they earned it once they were there. And it's really interesting what you mentioned there about the state having a role. Possibly, I had never even sort of really thought about that. But that's actually an incredibly important position to recognise that change can happen and also then to take it up and say, well, if I have this power, I'm going to use it. And in the background, that's really interesting, actually. Well, I think it is about realising it's a structural problem Mm. and not just leaving it to individual actors. So the state does bear a certain Mm. responsibility in that and also a responsibility to to, to lead. Mm. So I, I think it certainly did in the past. And then you know, you, 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 it has, it has certainly helped women at the bar. And of course, in my view, that has raised the standards across the board mm-hmm. because you've suddenly got 50 percent uh, 
extra being given the opportunity to to show uh, that they can also do something. So that raises the standard yeah. on all sides, yeah. in my view. And Marius, and I might bring you into the discussion. I wonder what your take on, and I, I think a lot, or I've subscribed to this idea that you can't become or it's harder to become what you can't see. So if there mm-hmm. isn't visibility of, you know, even I, the news of the day, there was an entirely female, it took me a minute or two to kind of recognise, entirely female, the two newsreaders. And then the sports was a woman. And I was thinking, yeah, like this, it's mm-hmm. about the normalising. So there's kids watching going, yeah, whatever, it's, this is boring, it's news mm-hmm. in the background. But that's exactly the point. It's just the normalising. It's entirely female crew. It's very there. unusual to see an entirely female crew in the news. I'm really conscious of that. And I've spoken yeah. about this before, actually, because one yeah. of the things I had all, I've said this many times one of the things I would have loved to do was to do comedy as a career I would have really liked to go into comedy and to do maybe stand up or write for comedy but it was an entirely male field Mm. when I was growing up and when I was watching TV in the 70s and 80s so I come into the law library in the 90s in 1993 and it's too late for comedy and and, and then I end up getting briefed in cases that don't admit any kind of comedy so I I have to take it as a hobby at this stage but that's I totally agree with that if you cannot see it you can't be it coming back to what Aileen said then about going into the law library where you have a handful of women most of whom she's named at this stage and you walk into a robing room and Mary Robinson is there Mary Finley Gagan and these are titans uh, Mm. in the law and to say because I, and I agree with Aileen, some people mightn't say that they were feminist trailblazers, but I think that would be a very narrow definition of feminism mm-hmm. because for that very reason, the fact of them mm. and the fact of them just getting in there and doing the job so well, I, I think most people would agree that they were certainly feminists um, yeah. because that's a broad church and it's a broad definition. Uh, and there were And there were quite a few of them. And when I came in, because Aileen was just a few years ahead of me and at around the same time and maybe a bit ahead as well between Mary Ellen and Isabel there were a lot of this is Isabel Kennedy now oh, yes. appeal. Yeah. The, this was a group of women practising in crime mm-hmm. and not just practising in crime on the prosecution side they were all defending so this was a, absolutely a credible career yeah. path but when I first came in I'm interested to hear both Mary and Aileen talking about walking in the door of the law library. I had the great luxury, which I didn't recognise until about maybe 15 or 20 years later, of coming from Dublin and of knowing quite a few people either in there already because I had studied law or coming in with me because um, I had done the King's Inns and I had quite a few classmates either coming in at the same time as myself or the year ahead because I took a year out uh, before I came in. So I had way more confidence than perhaps I should have had. Mm. And I only now realise what a luxury that was and what a privilege that was. And I've spoken to so many colleagues who came, particularly male and female colleagues Mm. indeed, who came from outside of Dublin who didn't have that almost comfort blanket Mm. of knowing a few people in there. Now, these were my classmates and people I had known for maybe three years or five years if I'd met them in UCD. But but that was enough to make me... I, I wasn't nervous about going in and I certainly didn't think that... Feminism was something I'd need in there. Mm. I knew that the numbers were, as Aileen has has said, they were 50-50 from the late 80s. By the early 90s, it was 50-50 going in the door. Mm. And it was, again, at least 10 years on before I realised the problem has just moved down the road. The briefing is different. The cases we're getting, and then another five years, ten years later, I realise that the cases are different and the way in which we're being briefed is different. Mm. And I totally agree with Aileen. My personal experience has been Uh, because I did crime, that it was the DPP's office that whether consciously or because they happened to notice that the women they briefed were being very careful and very well prepared in their cases, Mm -hmm. but they were briefing more women. Uh, mm. given the number of women in the district court mm. and the number of women doing criminal defence because as I've said this before as well because criminals do not have a diversity policy. Well, so that's, that's they and their wanted. solicitors don't look for women. That's My first it. brief was uh, for a man who took one look at me hadn't realised uh, it was going to be a female barrister and said, well, I don't want a woman. And there was no winning that case. I mean, I couldn't offer him a, I mean, a free pizza if I lose. That doesn't work. <laughs> so I had to, yeah. Yeah. I to hand it over. And incidentally, it was over two decades before that solicitor briefed me again. Really? So it, it really is a problem. Yeah. And, and I made a career on the DPP side of things. Yeah. I don't know if it was a combination of leading, a State Department leading and or realising that women were very careful in the way they worked. But I heard a brilliant presentation by Maureen Gaffney about the fact that even though our physical brains are identical, male and female, physical brains are the same thing. But if you can study, as we can now, the way thought processes work, we do think differently. Now, whether that's 
biological or yeah. nurture. Yeah. For the purpose of this discussion, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But we do think about yeah. things yeah. differently yeah. and we approach yeah. things differently. Yeah. And my view on it, for what it's worth, it may not be statistically backed up, but certainly what Maureen Gaffney spoke about yeah. was yeah. utterly uh, mm. supported by statistics. But I see it anecdotally. Mm. Yeah. Women, broad generalisation, sue me all you like. Plenty of men are very careful. On the whole, women are more painstaking. Yeah. They will work yeah. harder in the preparation yeah. stages and the DPP's yeah. office noticed yeah. in the 80s and 90s yeah. that's what we need in prosecutors and we have reaped the benefits of that. Yeah. So yeah, it is interesting the female and male legal brain I think is different um, and that that actually is a really interesting... Uh, I don't know whether uh, no, anyone else would agree with that because my, that's just my own take Yeah, no, it. my observation over the years has been that uh, women work very hard. Uh, that that, I've, that that has the observation. Uh, now, men have more time to read into various scenarios that mm-hmm. women don't have time to do. And they have a lot of knowledge and all of that. But I do think when it comes to the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. uh, women work very hard and, and do the work very well and are very committed to doing the work. And that has been my observation. From the view from the bench, what do you think has changed over the last, we'll say, 20, 30 years, both maybe in terms of visibility of not not just in terms well, of... Well, I mean, the most obvious thing is that there are far more women uh, uh, appearing in court, mm-hmm. both as juniors and seniors. And uh, it's, it's it's great and they do a very good job. Cause it was That's a, been my observation. Mm. And Mella Carroll was the first senior in 1977. I think she went on the bench in 1980. But yeah. like that's 77. Like that's... Yeah. Like so, you, you you when you went into the junior council, there was no, and even your eight eight, so a decade, less than a decade. There's only one. She was the mm-hmm. first female senior. And, so, and look what they did. They bumped her up to the high court ASAP. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it is kind yeah. of comical in a way. You know, yeah, they, they, yeah. They're now, firmed to be off. Very we did have um, Judge Kennedy in the district court in 1963, yeah. so it was happening. Yes, but yes, in terms yeah, of Mella Carroll, yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. Um, well, 1960, I think it was in, in your article, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that I want to and uh, bear with me now, because even on on the way, and I was thinking, oh, will I even say this? It's a bit, it's a bit odd. Well, come on, come on, try it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try it. See how it lands. I was thinking again, going back to the like Vincent O'Toole article setting yeah. the social scene for which you kind of dropped into into yeah. similarly and I know it was the real end. life scene mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah the reality yeah, yeah. yeah the reality yeah. Um, yeah. similarly so trying to picture what was going on in Ireland in, in the late 80s and where you would have kind of come into that uh, Donnelly I was reminded of now again so bear with me December 1980 you had the release of 9 to 5 a film with Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, Lady mm-hmm. Thompson, and to me, an unbelievable movie. But what's important or what's interesting is that was a massive American studio presenting and promoting in very mainstream settings this story, which I know comedy and fun and faff, whatever, but at its core is about three women who aren't just happy with the, well, look, we've acknowledged your place isn't at the home. You now have a job. Isn't that great? Them saying, no, there's still misogyny. There's still sexism. I know the film is silly and it's how they go about taking down their big boss and all of that. But to me, I was thinking about when you peel it all back, that's about these three amazing characters calling bullshit on the misogyny of the system that they were interacting with. And now, again, L.A. in uh, America in 1980s is slightly different maybe from Dublin in the 1980s. But I wonder that sense of just that was a very mainstream depiction of women both in the commercial setting and working, but also women saying enough. Now, it mightn't have translated so quickly and whatever, but I just wonder to what extent, if any, did you feel coming to the practice that the game had changed even from when say Judge Lefoy would have started a decade before. Well, I, I think it's it had changed, as I, I said, because of the sheer numbers. Mm. I mean, there's no doubt that um, that makes a difference. And that's a mm. starting point. I think it's not the end point uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, making a, 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 a situation more fair and more equal, because that's really the end mm. game, so to speak. It, it's not... Uh, to to create a superiority of uh, one over the other, but to make everything more equal. So I, I think the numbers itself didn't necessarily change um, everything, and there still was a huge disparity. I think with in how work was was doled out, particularly. There still is. I mean, look at the attrition rate. There must be because yeah. it's not oh, yeah. just about yes. women having babies. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, the 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 way in which um, p- 
people socialised was very mm, yeah, different yeah, back yeah. then. I okay, mean, there so, was a, yeah. uh, you know, between men and women. Are you it was not the boys' club. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the boys' club element, the yeah. way in which even yeah. even the round system um, uh, allowed the men in the bar to to buy drinks for the solicitors in a way that was much more acceptable, whereas a mm. woman doing that it just it, 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 it was it, it, it just wasn't socially it wasn't it, it, it wasn't ex- yes yeah. I mean I know from well, my own no but mother, that's what I'm saying women didn't yeah. sit in pubs buying drinks for men yeah, yeah, yeah. or for each other but yeah. it's, it's a totally different world yeah. now a- absolutely yeah. and I mean I think that's what we can't forget that that mm. the bar uh, and the legal profession generally is situated in the real of world course. so yeah. in, in that way it was still difficult to. You know, to to meet um, solicitors because let's mm-hmm. face it, the vast majority of solicitors were also men. Yeah. Now that was yeah. beginning to change, but the people yeah. at the top yeah. end, calling the shots, yeah. who were yeah. giving out the briefs, were men. Yeah. Yeah. So, this so is meeting, nobody's fault, and I'm, I'm, yes. I'm totally yes. I understand yeah. you're saying exactly that, that. that. It's nobody's fault. This yeah. is a society. That was just the way it was. Mm. Exactly. So, and, and it, male and yes. female. Yeah. That was just the, the situation Absolutely. with which you were presented. Strangely, my experience wasn't the same because, and it was because of the type of work I did. Uh, because a lot of women working in solicitors' offices uh, were doing property work, conveyancing, okay, chancery work, and that, and I got briefed yeah. by a lot of women solicitors. Oh, that's interesting. And that yeah. I knew that yeah. kind of yeah. goes back to what we were yeah. saying that the different areas of practice, like, and I, I've always yeah. been fascinated on the criminal side because I do, I know we're all one collegiate bar, but the criminal sphere, it's a different side of the brain. Everything about it, even the clients, use the client's perception of they want a barrister, they want a barrister to look like a big hairy man. That's what a barrister is. And if someone walks in the door who isn't a big hairy man, sorry, what's this? No, no, they're, no. They're increasingly, they're not that fussed about the hair. <laughs> but, um, but actually, what I'm finding interesting is as people read more about this, and certainly I, my area has been in particular in the last 10 years, I've done an awful lot of sexual offence cases mm. and very, very clear that men now are very conscious of how that presents to a jury. Because, of yeah. course, now we have juries that are almost entirely 50-50. I mean, mm. that's the, yeah. the usual breakdown is yeah, that yeah. just as many women yeah. likely to be on your jury mm. as men. And there's a perception now amongst this is as mm. close as we'll get to a diversity policy here. <laughs> <laughs> amongst those accused in particular of offending against women mm. that they'd like to have a woman on the team. So the optics. The optics. is, mm. and, they, and they have a point. I mean, mm. that, who's going to argue with that? Mm. But having said that, uh, that is, and, and that is also, and I've seen that certainly, I don't know how, how Aileen would feel about this, having been in the same kind of practice mm. for, for many years, that's definitely an area in which b- women are briefed more than men. Mm. As in, w- w- that's our... M- it's probably better to put it it's our most successful area and and we're seen as being the specialists in That's sexual offending and rape cases I, I think undoubtedly over the years uh, in 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 the prosecution in particular of historic yeah. sexual abuse yeah. cases uh, there yeah. you know women such as Mary Rose and many of our colleagues were were leading the way mm. in terms of both prosecuting and defending so there's no doubt it, it has been the area where Women have 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 gained a, a huge amount of work and a huge amount of experience and have a huge amount of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it then a that. positive thing though, or is it sort of a like I want to sit at the table not because of the optics mm-hmm. of what I'm bringing? I want to seat because I'm. I good think for that's this. a really good question, and I don't know the answer to it mm-hmm. because I mean I I think. Uh, on balance, I would say it is a good thing because mm. anything that brings you that wealth of trial experience, it doesn't really matter yeah. why it happens in the first mm. place or even that you feel you might be sidelined into a particular kind of case. Because and I see this increasingly with my more senior colleagues, wh- whether senior juniors or senior counsel. Once you get the experience, the doors will open. Like I have not been confined to sexual mm. offence cases, but that is where I learned my trade. And I'm very grateful mm. to have had that opportunity. Mm. And of course, it's extremely fulfilling work. I mean, that's an excellent kind of work mm. to have mm. to have engaged in because it gives you a, a really interesting mm. uh, and, and a, criminal law in know. general. I think everybody I did crime at the beginning in first year and I think everybody should do tread the boards in, in mm. the district court in crime because it's a bit like learning to drive. If you learn to drive on a on a car with no power steering, you can th- that's it. You're set for life because you really figured out the, everything about mm. it. Whereas then I remember my first car is a 1992 Toyota Starlet and I can park all right there because you had to really figure it out whereas the nicer areas maybe of civil you've you, you more time to think in civil and crime on your feet it's just I found it terrifying and so it's the best trial by fire kind of a thing so there's maybe an element of that as well and I think you're right I do a lot of 
So studying the medical negligence stuff, a lot of obstetric gynecological cases, that exact same thing. If a woman has to sit there and explain to a man about, you know, are you having difficulties with intimacy as a result mm. of the, all the rest of it, they feel better sitting. And you're still telling a stranger something very personal. But I think there's a... And I, I, say, I, will, I will take those briefs, absolutely. But I've often just wondered... I, how, how, how do I feel about it? And is it like that? I haven't figured out the answer yet. I'm glad to get the work. I love the work. I enjoy it. I'm good at it. But it's a bias. I mean, mm. we're not saying it's a bad no. or a good mm. thing, but it's mm. a bias yeah. towards women. And it's a, probably yeah. an unconscious bias, mm. probably unconscious, but it may be sometimes conscious. Mm. As I say, the optics of having a woman in front of a jury is a conscious choice. Mm. But often it's an unconscious mm. preference for a woman in a case that might involve, oh, let's say all the words caring, mm. uh, some kind of sexual offending that maybe men mightn't want to talk to other men about. Mm. All of those mm. lists of things that so socially we have for centuries associated with women. Mm. Yeah. I think though undoubtedly ac across all the areas of law you see more women practicing oh, now. Certainly. <clears throat> yes. yeah. It isn't um, simply in, in one area of criminal law or mm. one area of another. And I, I, I think that also does reflect societal changes. Mm -hmm. uh, I yeah. mean, it, it people coming into uh, an area of law expect to get work in certain areas. They don't expect not to have people briefing them. And that confidence, I think, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But equally, I think the let's use the word the consumers are, of legal <laughs> services, the clients mm -hmm. uh, expect um you know, the best mm. and more and more, I think women are showing that they are mm. as good as, if mm. not better, mm. uh, uh, than the, the equivalent mm. uh, male in their areas. Mm. And I mean, some, you know, that's individual clients, but also, you know, large corporate clients or institutional clients um, are, are demanding mm -hmm. that um, the people who represent them reflect society mm, yeah. as well. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And maybe to, to pick up on that then, I think it was 2014 was the first of three years. I can't remember when it finished, but there was a mm. three year overlap where we had the three primary constitutional roles mm. of the state oh, yeah. held by women. Yeah, yeah, so we'd yeah. Francis Fitzgerald in the department we had Maura Whelan as AG and Susan Denham as Chief Justice. Yeah, yeah. And I think, as you said, that to me felt pivotal. Yeah. Going back to what we said about you know, you can't become what you can't see. This was without, without sort of shouting from the rooftops about it. And that's what I like and what I think is interesting. This was women who had gotten those positions because of ability, capability, everything that led to that point. And we had this confluence 2014. And I kind of wish on one level there had been a lot more fanfare about it. And But also then maybe yeah. not celebrating it was important because celebrating acknowledges that it was yeah. different and deserving of mm -hmm. celebration as opposed to, no, this is normal. This is where it should yeah. be. So I'd maybe kind of your, your thoughts that's that sort of 2014, that's within absolute touching distance of where we are now. And it took that long. Yeah. But do you think that was important, pivotal, or was it just final confluence of what had been building since the yeah. 1920s, maybe? Well, there was an element of coincidence about it, wasn't so. there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even at that stage, going back to 2014, the breakdown on the bench, Aileen, I mean... Of course, you were appointed that, that year, yeah. Yes, so I was a, appointed a, that year. And I think that the... 30%? Yes. Was it 30 I was wondering, it wasn't yeah. quite was that, that yeah. I think, at that yeah. stage. Yeah. It yeah. took a few more years to get up mm. up to that, but it was changing. It was no changing, doubt yeah. at yeah. that point, yeah. um, feel it. it was changing and more and more women were being appointed. Yeah, but there was room for change so. as well. Oh, there was a lot yeah. of room for how change. How so? Yeah. Maybe, and again, depending on what you want to say on that front, but how? what, what would you feel that there was still room to, for change? Well, it, but I mean, there clearly was room for change because women, as I said in 1988, I think my year was the first year that there was a, 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 a pretty much a 50-50 mm. entering the bar. So yeah. that generation and my generation mm. yeah. would be expecting yeah. uh, that well, appointments as it comes uh, through, yeah. it would, would occur yeah. Um, yeah. that would represent the class. Yeah. Now, mm. I'm not saying necessarily 50-50 because I don't know what the Did attrition you? rate yeah. was, yeah. but you would expect that mm. women would yeah. be represented mm. uh, in That's judicial appointments. Yeah. So mm. in that era, yeah. Um, and certainly the era, uh, you know, mm. f from from me, from yeah. behind me again, yeah. you you know, it it it, it, it almost would take reason. an inquiry yeah. as to yeah. why yeah. Were, women were not yeah. being there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what do you think 
is then? Why was it the case well, that there weren't? I mean, we don't well, have to into attrition, but could that be it? Or was there still some? Because it's interesting how the state through the AG and the different briefing offices were in their own way maybe creating kind of oddly stacking the deck. Mm. Well, how well, come we then still didn't have was yeah, it a no. political I, will? I, or? I'll have to stop you there. They weren't stacking the deck. <laughs> they were trying to redress mm. some of the unconscious mm. bias that kept. Yeah. Look, we have to recognise that with the bar and with the judiciary, as with every other trade and profession in the world ever, for the vast majority of our time on earth, these jobs have been carried out by men. And men and women and little girls and little boys, when they're asked, picture a judge, yeah. almost always picture a man. It is not because anyone is doing this deliberately. Mm. It's because there is an unconscious bias right across the board. And the same thing has been addressed Unfortunately, we can't do this in music circles, famously, by having blind auditions for, let's say, first violin. You push the person auditioning behind a screen and then the choice will truly be made on ability. And it was only when that was begun in orchestras that women began to get more positions as first violin. But intriguingly, they discovered that even when they used a screen behind which you could still see the shoes of the applicant, (laughs) they were still not quite reaching 50-50, but when they brought the screen all the way to the ground and the utterly unconscious bias was totally gone, then it actually did approach 50-50. So that's what we're dealing with. Mm. No man or woman, I hope certainly very few, are deliberately holding Mm. women back. That is not what's happening. Nobody's suggesting to us. But we, and I mean women, we're surrounded by uh, the same culture Mm. as as our parents and in, in many ways. We are carrying generations of unconscious bias Mm. and we have to acknowledge that. Mm. So when the AG's office or or the DPP's office or whatever other state body tries to do the right thing and mm. maybe brief a few more women. That's not in any way stacking the deck. That is just beginning mm. to redress the balance. And it's not enough to keep more women in the law library. Mm. And that's our particular areas. That's what I'll talk about. Mm. But it's not enough to keep women not just at the job, but also it's not enough to keep, to promote them as they actually should be promoted and as they deserve. Mm. So that's the problem. Mm. And as that expected, yeah. because the numbers, as you said, are there. Like, what? why wouldn't there be parity if this is where we were? Tell yeah. me, as you said, maybe an inquiry. Sorry, yeah. how are we here? Here, if that's where we were, what yeah. what got lost along the way? That's shining exactly a torch. The, that's, yeah. that's why attrition yeah. well, is our, the answer. Our, our, it's a huge our, problem. Are women applying for the jobs? Uh, that's something I often wondered about. Mm. Well, that that's an interesting point, but of yeah. course we we don't know, and yeah. that can only um, yeah. come out when there's a publication of yeah. of mm. those. How many yeah. how many yeah. women apply versus yeah. how many yeah. men? Because yeah. yeah. I think a conversation on the reality levels. of it. I say we can speculate, and actually speculation is so unhelpful because we're bringing with it our prejudices. Yeah. Going, yeah. it must be yeah. feminist. No. It must be so. Yeah. The speculation will yeah. we'll have our bias in our yeah. speculation. I think exactly. actually yeah. some clarity around yeah. and calling the reality and saying now we know what it is. Yeah. What can we do? What, what mm-hmm. is the kind of where is the hole? Yeah. Maybe for whatever reasons that there. I think there's mm-hmm. definitely a yeah. piece to be done around just not knowing, recognizing, knowing what we don't. Yeah. know and starting mm-hmm. to dig from that. Yeah, well, but there's it, no, it, I was just going to say there's no doubt things have changed in the last five oh, years. definitely. Yeah. And, 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 five years. and for yeah. much, yes. for, the better. for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Across the world, the gender pay gap has been recognised in, in legal almost every... Yeah. Forget about legal, yeah. of course. Oh, no, in, in, in wider professions. But across the, across would, the world, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I often wondered, is the, is the legal profession, actually, and particularly the bar, maybe unique in that you can't really hide too much because, you know, there's there's taxation, there's this. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unlike other where it could just be, here's your salary rate. And it's all still very much, unless you stop and ask the guy sitting beside you at the desk, what are you getting paid? What am I? The bar, you, you put in your fee notes, it can go to taxation or there's all the rest. I wouldn't, I, I kind of, I would be quietly confident that actually maybe the level of pay disparity, because they're just fee notes I, I, I wonder maybe is it maybe I'm wrong I think maybe. it's really sweet that you're so naive <laughs> I think that's really sweet I remember reading a few years ago from the Attorney General's office I can't even remember who was in office and perhaps just as well yeah, yeah. Um, but and in fact this has nothing to do with any individual attorney anyway mm. because of course it's all sorts of solicitors in the mm. office briefing mm. and indeed colleagues handing over all mm. of that as a factor that's but, what I mean, but we yeah. do create our own fee notes, Sarah, in most cases, mm. in most cases. Mm. And when we don't, this is why I'd be very interested to see the DPP's figures, because mm. they are set, supposedly set, That's what I by mean, the way, yeah. supposedly set. But I do know, and it took me an embarrassing long time to, to find out, that in fact, there is a practice 
and a perfectly legitimate one, whereby if you're involved in a particularly complex and detailed case, which would, for instance, necessitate doing no court work for at least, let's say, a month leading up to it, that it would be routine for a senior barrister to request a higher payment than than was usual. And it may not or maybe it will surprise you to find out that that is something I learned from male colleagues and I don't think I had when I first heard about it known a single female colleague okay. to have asked for it right so mm-hmm. park that for a moment we started a mentoring group at the bar and one of the first things we were advised was get some male mentors not only because they'll be wonderful which they were and I'll stop here because Noel Whelan was one of the best oh that we had he was mm-hmm. superb but one of the reasons we were invited or advised to get male mentors was they will know how to charge because women traditionally don't value their services financially Mm. as much as they should. So Mm. to go back to the Attorney General's office, the Attorney's office published a list of their uh, counsel and what had been paid to that counsel Mm. that year and the number of cases, which is very interesting. Irish Times published it and then nothing was heard of it for another few weeks. I had gone through it because we all had anyone whose name Mm. appeared thinking, oh God, I hope this isn't just an embarrassingly (laughs) low amount, which (laughs) we could say it was, or that I'm not there at all, or that, I mean, I don't know what anyone else was looking for, but I was afraid I would literally be in for like 50 quid or something. This is going to look like I do nothing. (laughs) Anyway, so I look at it. But as I'm reading down the list, it it strikes me, a few women have done brilliantly. They appear to be really, really the top barristers. And I'm looking at their fees and I'm looking at the number of cases. And in almost every case, this struck me looking at it, I'm not particularly mathematical. The men appear to be doing fewer cases for these amounts. And sure enough, a few weeks later, one of the Irish Times journalists had examined the figures using exactly mm. that comparator and had come back with an article which the Irish Times published and which then sank without trace. Wow. Nobody commented on it, mm-hmm. pointing out that if this was, if these figures were accurate, then either men were charging far more than women or they were being given more mm. significant cases and they were uh, earning that's more. Interesting. So that's interesting. Now, that's just one piece of information. Mm. So I don't know if statistically it, it works for other years because that was a published piece of information a few years ago about a year a mm. year or two previously but that's to, the, to the report. And that's that, that, a crime to be able to do it on that level of what's published figures. You can do it in a way that you can't mm-hmm. maybe on the civil side. So that's a really I mean, interesting exercise. It, it was in line with Everything the, I'd seen this is in the civil side. This is the attorney. This is attorney. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yes. This is not okay. crime. Okay. Yeah. This is the attorney's office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I so, suppose it's so, public. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's public private. information. Public, yeah. And it's, and public, it's public money. money. Public, yeah. public yeah. law versus public. private. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I different. found that extremely interesting and yeah. it didn't surprise me. It, yeah. it, it's in line with everything anecdotally yeah. and yeah. my yeah. own experience in the library that I had, uh, yeah. that I'd expected or, yeah. or I would have expected if anyone had asked me, what do you That's think you'll find? Yeah. And I think that is what we'll find. Now, I will be delighted, needless to say, <laughs> if that's not what we find. But I know that the figures are going to be requested and I can't imagine why any public body would not agree to, yeah. to take part in a service or such be as that because it to, would yeah. be extremely the important to the taxpayer. General. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it'll be interesting. But I, I will be delighted if we don't find, but I'm afraid yeah. we'll find what every other country has found today, yeah. which is that we're being paid less. Yeah. Yeah. There um, we are. No. I've managed, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm very happy with my lot in life, yes. but I think it get would more be, as a lawyer, injustice annoys me. You know, it really does. It's one of the reasons I'm still here, still in practice. It really does annoy me. Um, if I can finish up maybe looking to the future and one of the things again I was thinking kind of what what is the question I want to ask and again working backwards what do, where do I want the conversation to go and me trying to figure out my question it's almost like picking the cross-examination how do I get where I want to go but a thing that kind of I, I was reminded of I interviewed Lydia Foy about the broad arc yeah. of starting with kind of Mary McGee up yeah. through the rec- slow recognition yeah, yeah, of women's yeah, rights yeah. In, in a much wider piece anyway yeah. at the end of it I kind of said to her like what 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 did winning look like or what 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 do you hope for the future how, how did this all when you're sitting there at the very beginning of this how did, how did this play out and she had a really interesting anecdote that has really really stayed with me she said whenever she goes increasingly less so but uh, when she was going to events very very well-meaning people would say to her what would we what, what should we call it what would you like to be called and they danced around it in the high court and they kept referring to Dr Foy and she said I want to be called Lydia and and just 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 mm-hmm. that's it. I want to be called Lydia. That that's what winning looks like, and it kind of to me speaks to this idea that you know 
winning is when you don't have to talk about it anymore. Like we're, it's so far gone beyond. Like I'm over explaining and talking and blah, blah, blah. I get that it's well-meaning and all the rest of it, but I don't want to talk about it anymore. This is what, what it is. And kind of teasing that out a little bit further, I was thinking, but sitting around us here, we sort of have, including sort of, I'm kind of the naughty 2008, up to now, kind of, I'm 11 years in practice. So we have 50 years that we can kind of speak to. In 50 years time, what would winning look like? And going back to her example, I was wondering if, would it be an absolute win if in 50 years time, this episode, this discussion would be of no interest to anybody? Like, is that kind of... <laughs> but is that, I hope so. Yeah. Personally, it might be disappointing. But yeah. yes, but that is that is yeah. that what, kind yeah. of where we're going? Or, but then I thought, no, do you know what? I started in 2008. And I can hand on heart say that walking in the door, looking around and all this kind of, there were plenty of things I was aware of and nervous about and all the rest of it. But my gender was never one of them. There's loads of other things, but I genuinely, what? I'm a woman, of course I'm a woman. So so what of it? I'll fail for other reasons. But it really did not even land as a thing. And so what I was thinking then afterwards was, we have to be so careful not to forget that the only reason in 2008 I cannot be aware of my gender is because women like yourselves did that for us, got through the... the and I know you seem to have, seem to have had quite a, dare I say, a positive experience and all the rest of it. Now, that may be because, as you're saying, the area of practice and whatever yeah, else. Yeah. Nonetheless, you were still a minority of women. That's massive. Is there a danger in letting it lapse and not constantly reminding ourselves this idea of standing on the shoulders of giants like if it's easy for me great but it wasn't back then so maybe what are your thoughts like is the 50 year win not even being interested in this anymore because it, it is what it is like oh, historical relevance yeah. or should we actually do we have a, an onus and a responsibility to make sure nobody forgets kind of what do you think well well, I, th- I think there's been such dramatic change mm. that it's easy because of the dramatic change to forget that even now there are problems and we've touched mm. yeah. some of them. And, you know, we, we haven't even gone near, you know, people's experience of possibly more overt discrimination mm. uh, and issues of harassment mm. that they have oh, suffered. Yeah. So we haven't even mm. gone anywhere near that. Mm. Um, and... You know, I I think it's important not to to lose sight of those kind of things. I think that in the dramatic change that has taken place from the 70s uh, through the various generations, it's a real problem if if we just say we're 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 fine now, mm. because the reality is in society and in all areas, it's not just at the bar. Um, you know, achievement or change can actually be taken away. We've, we've seen that throughout history, particularly mm. the history of the 20th century. I mean, achievements in certain areas can just mm-hmm. dissipate. So even in 50 years time, I think this kind of discussion would be very important for people to have and to remind them of where things were mm. and to assess where they are at present. However, uh, much that that may just scratch a surface. It is important for every generation to keep checking in and keep saying, "Where are we? Mm. And and is this right? You know, mm. uh, uh, ha- have we have we achieved the goal of equality, which is mm. what we're after? Mm. And even I don't like the term winning, yeah, because yeah. I I feel yeah. it's not about winning. Mm. Yeah. It's it's about the parity, producing a more mm. um, equal equal playing field mm. for people, mm. you know, and, 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 a, and a place where people are respected mm. um, for their for, for themselves, for mm. their individual selves mm. uh, and where, you know, each person is afforded dignity. And I think the only way you can ensure that, that happens is to keep questioning, mm. to keep bringing it out to the fore, to keep looking and assessing and making sure mm. that you're right and not necessarily just sitting back on our laurels and mm. saying, oh, we've done this mm. and we've achieved this. And it's not necessarily about a numbers game or a, a yeah. statistics. It's about the the substantive issue for each individual person. That's really well put. And actually just listening to you and hearing, apart from the fact that it's not about winning, but that's probably because you're a judge. I don't know. <laughs> it's still kind of about winning. But, but, but achieving maybe a better way of putting yeah. it, achieving equality and everyone having yeah, yeah, their, yeah. their dignity and taking part in society. 
And you're so right to say in 50 years time, if people, they must still be interested in these things. Mm -hmm. And there have been there have been so many negative changes politically Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. in the last five years that that I wouldn't. I think you're absolutely right to say don't rest on our laurels, Mm -hmm. but be mindful of the Mm -hmm. wonderful changes Mm -hmm. since since the 1960s when we first Mm -hmm. came into Mm -hmm. the law library. We're we're, we are normal, isn't it great? And we are normal. It's great to see us there. But we are. We're normal. We're successful. We're we're happy there. We're confident there. And and. And, and wonderfully, and we didn't even touch on this actually. Uh, I'd say most of us had male role models. I don't know about yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I, can mm-hmm. I, I? Everyone's nodding, yeah. but certainly, well, certainly yeah. for you, Mary, yeah. Would, yeah. it was yeah. almost inevitable yeah. that you yeah. had male role oh, models. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. who else? Yeah. Yeah. But but they have been absolutely fantastic. The, the yeah. support yeah. that we've yeah. received from and our male colleagues. That's the thing, because for me, that's why I kind of said earlier, like, who were the feminist champions? Going back to your quote, not all feminists are women. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. in fact, I find it even more interesting when you have mm-hmm. men who can recognize the yeah, the yeah, value and yeah. the worth and and, and encourage yeah. it in a way yeah. that like I I know I say we we all kind of nodded because we all do have kind of people I felt absolutely just you just seen when somebody kind of looks you goes that was a very good point. Mm-hmm. I like what you did there. It's yeah. it's it's mentoring. It's more mm-hmm. than that, though. It's it's a recognition of your professional ability and that you deserve a seat at this table. Yeah. I wonder, does maybe the the fear creep in of we've gotten this far, whatever you do, don't rock the boat. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll still drive it forward in whatever mm-hmm. way we can, but don't rock the boat. And I wonder, is there elements of that because in the timeline of feminism, mm-hmm. <laughs> we are mm-hmm. still we are we're still very. This is all very new. And where have we got? How do we drive it forward without? being fearful of losing what we've got. I think that's something in the background that needs to maybe just swept aside and say, we've got what we have, put it in the bank. Now we want more because the whole system demands more. Society demands more. And we owe it to the next generation of women to say, this is what's working. Here's the spot that now needs to be looked at. And one thing that I've been so intrigued by, um, Outlaw was launched, which is an amazing name, <laughs> aside from anything else. And this, the visibility of this, and they're, it's quite a young kind of uh, d- d- whole network, but the idea of you've the new cohort of practitioners coming through saying, well, this is just the reality of who we are. So why wouldn't there be a professional network? It's that sense of what, of course there would be, but it's still, it took until 2019 to have a network like this. And I say for me, it's that sense of moving towards recognition, visibility in a really, just like the newsreaders, there's women on the news. That's really how we do it in a low key way to say we don't need to have a big fanfare. This is a massive big change. These are the types of changes. These are the gaps I think we plug over the next 50 years about normalising and making visible rather than an absolute call to arms because people are, I think, put off by a call to arms or feel oh, that's somebody else's fight, whereas it's all of our fight as far as far as I'm kind of concerned. And what I found I, I really enjoyed about the, the whole launch of, of the network was that uh, Frank Clark was there, as was yourself. I think that is the type of thing that's so important. So we talk about kind of male role and Susan Denham was an amazing Amazing Chief Justice and very, I, for me, I felt very, just it, it felt, it was important to see women in that role and to see her do it, even her validatory speech. Got a bit emotional from being honest, like it felt, <laughs> but it did, it felt like this is, this yeah. is important. Mm. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. But for Frank Clark to turn up and to launch it, and I just felt that that, did, I don't know if you felt that that felt big, it felt important, even though he was low key and about this is what it is. That normalising, I just felt felt new and felt kind of the way we get to the next 50 years. Yeah, if you'd like it, to. it was, it was really important that, mm. that he launched it. And I think what he said as well yeah. about uh, diversity uh, within the legal professions and indeed in the judiciary and what diversity in all its guises brings uh, to our law and to the development of the law, the development of the common law as well. Mm. As, you know, I, I thought his speech on that day was was mm. pretty amazing, actually. Mm. Yeah, so he, I think, is an example of that sort of the champion going yeah, forward. Sorry. I think to talk about it not being a call to arms, mm. I, I'd worry about that a little bit because we're all really busy. Everyone's really busy and everyone mm. has problems and we all have family commitments and we all have mm. jobs if we're lucky and problems. Mm. Um, but if we're not taking this seriously, it, it won't move. Aileen said mm. earlier on, and I think this is really important to remember, this is going to take institutional change because we're not there yet. I mean, we are so much further than we were 10 mm. years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And, going and back. definitely we're, 40 we, years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fantastic. We keep moving in the right yes. direction. But in order to keep that up, we need a lot more. Uh, we need a lot more help from our male colleagues, frankly. And mm. we need to raise awareness of it. And 
we don't need to be aggressive about it. I don't think anyone is aggressive about it. So maybe a call to arms is the wrong Mm. phrase, but we do need to be passionate about it and we do need to keep talking about it because if we don't, it's just going to be one of those things that really we've no time for. And if you don't read around this issue, you're not going to understand Mm. the, 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 the background. Really good friend of ours, myself and Aileen said recently that a wonderful male relation of hers was going through her book pile and looking at the books she was reading and picking out the ones he might take and the book he picked up and just immediately discarded was a book called Invisible Women which would have been a hugely instructive book for him to read because it's a wonderful story about how women quite unwittingly are left out of design decisions and town planning and all sorts of different in all sorts of different ways uh, women can be forgotten because men have particular decision making roles and it's a wonderful mind bending and eye opening book that I would love to see more men and women reading. And, and and if we don't keep talking about this, it doesn't have to be a call to arms. If we don't keep talking about this, then it will be assumed mm. that we that, that that there is no problem. And I think there are remaining problems. Mm. And as Aileen says, we haven't even mm. touched on many of them. This podcast was produced as part of the Bar of Ireland Centenary Initiatives. More information on these can be found at lawlibrary.ie and on Twitter.